You know, it's been a tough week for me. I, I lost my voice. Just coughing all week, spent most of the week um, in bed with a little flu. So, um, but I'm glad to be able to get up and was able to go out there and help Pastor Chakoa's church with the with the funeral planning and also with the wedding yesterday in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church over there. I'm not, if I'm not careful, I might start a fight with them too. I don't know. You know, I asked them a couple of questions over there and, uh, you know, they have their ways and, you know, they, they didn't want to do the wedding. So I went over there and I did the wedding. And so, but um, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful to be here with all of us today. And the topic in which we are going to be talking about today is called Divided. It is called divided. And here in this passage here in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 through verse 18, the Apostle Paul is concluding his message, and he's in concluding his book here in the, the book of Romans or in the letter of Romans. And in conclusion, he's, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned, keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. You know, the Apostle Paul, he spent all this time here in this letter, here in the book of Romans, explaining to us all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was trying to convince even the Israelites at that time that the gospel of Jesus Christ was meant for so much more than just the Israelites. As we read earlier in the book of Romans, we see we see that, that, that this was one of the arguments that the Apostle Paul was talking about. Because to the Israelites, to his own people, because they were the chosen people of God. They felt that God was only for them. And they felt that God was only for them and that the Gentiles, the Greeks, the Romans, and other people, that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was not meant for these people. And so the Apostle Paul spent much of the early, earlier in the book of Romans to explain to them that yes, you have been chosen as Hebrews, as the nation of Israel. You have been chosen for a specific task. That God has called you. God has given the law to you. And even through you, God has sent his only begotten son. But the purpose of your choosing, the purpose of God giving you this law it's not so that you can see yourselves as being better than other people. God did not give you these laws. God did not send his son through you so that you can see yourselves as a holier people than everybody else. But God chose you so that through you, the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel will spread to all nations, to all people, to all ethnic groups. And it is in that in which the Apostle Paul is urging them in. And he says, brothers and sisters, because he wants to emphasize on that, he wants them to understand that today you are no longer 
Jews. Today you are no longer Greeks. Today you are no longer Romans. Today you are no longer Gentiles. But this message of Jesus Christ, this thing that Christ has done, has made you one family. And today you are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And because you are brothers and sisters, he says, I urge you, it is a pleading. It is a pleading with the people. It is a pleading with the church of his time. It is a pleading for them to stand together in unity. It is a heartfelt, deep, deep pleading with them. As though he is actually begging them that you must stand together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you must be united together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we see Jesus in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus talks about persecution. Jesus talks about persecution and he talks when he was about to send his disciples out to do the first missions work. He spoke to them about persecution, that if you believe in Jesus Christ, that if you believe in the gospel, that you were going to face persecution. And so Jesus Christ understood, he understood what his message meant, even during his time. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, he says, Do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So Jesus Christ knew I mean, these words, these words are, you know, he, he's using hyperbole. So Jesus Christ knew what the message, what his message was going to bring. That his message, many times, his message is going to cause people to persecute you. And you, if you preach his message, if you preach his message, even many times those people who are going to persecute you are your very own family members. I think here in the West, we have the freedom of religion, but to many parts of the world, that concept is very, very foreign. That concept is not something that they understand. In Vietnam, churches are being burned down. In Laos, people are getting arrested throughout the world. So many parts of the world, the message of Jesus Christ is not allowed. And so Jesus, he understood this. He understood that by standing with the word of God, that you will face persecution. For many, for many, many people in other countries, when they accept Jesus Christ into their lives, they get disowned by their own family. They get disowned by their own clan, even in the Hmong community. The family that we're doing the funeral for now, they are one of two families from their clan that became Christians. Their family don't want anything to do with them. It's a reality in many people's lives. It's a reality in many culture, many countries. And yet what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is that you must still hold on to this message. That if you do not hold on to this message, people's going to come and they're going to divide you. They're going to do everything that they can to try to get you to turn away from this message. And he's saying, you know, earlier in the book of Romans, he's saying to the Israelites, he's saying to them that you have been called, you've been chosen, you've been, you know, given this task. 
But this task is not only for you, it is for all people. And so for all people, now you are one family. You are all brothers and sisters in, in, under the name of Jesus Christ now. And so you must do everything that you can to stay that way, to stay united. And you must watch out for those who will come within you, who will come to you, and they will put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. And so we see division in the Scripture. Division in the Scriptures is always in reference to those who lead you away from the teachings of the apostles and of Jesus Christ. Division, we have division in the church many, many times. But those who are pleading with you, like the Apostle Paul is pleading with the early church, those who are begging with you, just like the Apostle Paul was begging with the early, early church. Those who are pleading with you, begging with you to, to keep the teachings of Jesus Christ, to keep the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Those are not the ones that are causing division. That is the point that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. But he is saying, but he is saying that those who comes, comes into the church, comes among you, and they were trying to convince you to do things contrary to what we have taught you. These are the ones who are causing division in the church, and you are to keep away from them. You are to keep away from them. You are not to listen to them, because if you listen to them and you forsake this message of Jesus Christ, you're going to bring chaos to yourselves. You're going to lose your own faith. He says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 7, he says to the church at Galatia, he says, You are deserting. You are already deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. And you are turning to a different gospel, which is not even a gospel at all. Because the Apostle Paul is telling them that Jesus Christ has set you free from all these laws, all these rules, all these things. All these things that have kept you away from the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus Christ has come and he has set you free from these things. And yet you keep going back to these things. You keep going back to them, doing them over and over and over again. Thinking that the law is what's going to save you, but you need to understand the point of the law. The point of the law was never meant to save you. The point of the law was meant to point you to Jesus Christ because none of you can ever fulfill the 613 laws of the Scripture. Because in order for you to actually be in the kingdom of God, you are going to need to be holy. You are going to need to be perfect. You are going to need to be righteous. And none of you are perfect. None of you are righteous. And that's the reason why the law, you cannot apply the law to you. That's the reason why Jesus Christ had to come. Because none of you can uphold these laws in the scripture. And it is only through Jesus Christ, the only perfect man, whom died, he died for you on that cross. And it is only through his grace that you can be restored. It is only through his grace that you can approach God. Outside of that, outside of that, you won't be able to go to Jesus. You won't be able to approach God. 
So you have to keep your faith in Jesus Christ because his holiness covers you. His righteousness covers you. And you're able to stand before a righteous and a holy God because of that. But yet you're, you're throwing Jesus Christ away. And you're thinking that you can do it yourselves. And you're going back to the law. The thing that was never meant to, to save you. The thing that was never meant for you. The thing that pointed you to, towards sin. That's the whole purpose of the law. Was, is that it was just there to point you towards sin. It was just there to condemn you. And yet, you put your hope in that. And which, who among you can uphold the, all the laws of the, the Old Testament? None of you can. None of you can. And it is only faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is what Paul is arguing with them, that don't put Christ away, guys. Don't throw Jesus Christ away. Because once you throw Jesus Christ away and you start striving to, to be perfect, you start striving to be holy, you start striving for all these things, nothing's going to happen. You're just going to fail. Because you can't do it. We can't do it. That's why Jesus Christ did it for us. We can't be perfect. We can't be holy. No matter how, how great we are. We can be Mother Teresa. We can be um, Gandhi. No one's perfect. No one's perfect. We'll always fall short. And that's the reason that Jesus Christ is there. That we just put our faith in Jesus Christ. And if we do this, if we do this, then we, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're restored back to his kingdom. Just through all the things that he's done for us. Not through anything that we have ever done because we can never earn ourselves we can never earn ourselves into the kingdom of God the apostle Paul goes on he goes on to talk about those who cause division in the church and he says that for such people they are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ but they're simply serving their own appetites they're simply there just for the money. They're simply there just, just for their own desires. If people are teaching us to walk away from Jesus Christ, to, to walk away from this message that, of Jesus Christ, the things that are contrary to what the, the apostles have taught us, things that are contrary to what Jesus Christ has taught, has taught us, these people are not teaching us the truth of God's word. But these people were just teaching you their own opinions, their own ideas. And their own, own opinions, their own ideas are worth absolutely nothing. Because no one, no one can save you. Pastors can't save you. Bishops can't save you. The Pope cannot save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. The Pope can't point, you know, the Pope can't point you to himself and say, I am the one, you know to save you. He can't. He's just a man. The bishop can't, can't do that. The pastor can't do that. I can't come here and say, you know what, look to me and you'll be saved. I can't save you at all. But a man that's worth anything, a pastor that's worth anything, a church leader that's worth anything is the one that who continues to point you, not to himself or herself, but who continues to point you to Jesus Christ and continues to tell you that look upon that man on that cross. It is that man on that cross that will save you. That's all, that's all we're here for. 
That's all we're here for, is to continue to point you on a daily basis to that man on that cross. It is only in him that we can find salvation. It is only in him. It is only in him that we can be saved from even the wrath of God. A lot of times we Methodists don't want to talk about that anymore. But we read the book of Romans, it talks about it. The wrath of God being revealed against human, against men. Because even though we knew God, we did not worship him. We worship the created things and not the creator himself. And this was Paul's way of letting the church know that the judgment of God is just. And there's a reason, this is the, Paul's way of letting us know that there is a reason why Jesus Christ came to die upon that cross, was to save us from these things, was to save us from the bondage of sin. Many times what we do is we shut the kingdom of God out on people. When we do that, we are part of the problem. We are those who are causing divisions in the church. Jesus Christ said this to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. He says, woe to you. Woe to you are words of condemnation. We often think of Jesus Christ as someone who doesn't condemn other people. But Jesus Christ condemned the Pharisees. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You shut, the door on the king, uh, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Because these people, the, these religious leaders at that time, they, held, they had, the, they, they had the, the law of God within them. But they came up with so many, so many more laws on top of all these things that God has given them. To make it so difficult for people to even approach Jesus, uh, to even approach God. They make it so difficult for people to believe in God. And so when, and when people fail, when people fail to live up to these standards that these religious leaders had at that time, these religious leaders will condemn them as being not worthy at all. And Jesus Christ, when he was walking on this earth, he condemned these religious leaders. And he says, you must not add to the word of God. You must not add to the word of God, while at the same time, you must not take away from the word of God. It is only in the word of God that God has inspired, that through the Holy Spirit that God has inspired. God has inspired it for our, so that we can live by it, as instructions for us to guide us throughout our lives, to live a way in which will bring much glory to God. And yet so many times we create all these rules, all these policies, all these things to keep people outside of the kingdom. I said I went to do a wedding, and, and, and like I said, I, I don't want to start a fight with another denomination. But I, I went to do a wedding there. And they, that denomination, they, they disapprove of the wedding. Because the, the, bride, the bride was divorced before. She was divorced. She had two kids. So they said she's not worthy. Not worthy to walk in their church. Not worthy to use their church for, for a wedding ceremony. So they had to go rent their own place. They went to rent their own place to do the ceremony. I got there yesterday. I should, I should just remain silent. I shouldn't have said anything. But I said, where's all your elders? They said that, you know what? Our church did not approve of the wedding. So we do not let our elders come. 
I said, that's, you know, I, I said to them, you know what? Maybe you guys are taking it a bit too far against this young lady. They didn't say anything. They walked away from me. I did the wedding for this young couple, lovely couple. Yeah, they've made mistakes in the past. Everybody does. Yeah, they, they've done things in the past that you know, we can consider sinful. We all have. I've done it. Yet there needs to be mercy. There needs to be grace. And we can't say that once you've done this, then you, you're no longer worthy of us. We can't say that. The church is a place for people who are unworthy. The, the, the church is a place for people who are sick. The church is a place for people who need healing. This is a perfect opportunity for us to help these, this, this young couple heal from their past. And yet we choose to turn them away. We choose to turn them away. That's why I get into a lot of fights with uh, my Christian and Missionary Alliance brothers and sisters. A lot of times I get into fights with them. They see me as being too, uh, too open sometimes. But um, I mean, that's what the message of Jesus Christ teaches us. That we are there to help people heal. We're not there to push them out of the kingdom of God. And yet many times we behave like the Pharisees. Many times we behave like the Pharisees and we don't even allow our, our, our church leaders to come to a wedding. What is, what is going on with that? There's nothing good in that. There's nothing good in that. And so we must, we must turn away from that. We must not shut the kingdom of God on people. But at the same time, we must hold on to what the, the Scripture has taught us through Jesus Christ and through the apostles. The Scripture teaches us that we must watch out for these people who cause division in the church. And we must not listen to them. It goes on and talks about those who teach you to go against Scriptures. It talks about those who are serving their own wills, their own appetites. Even Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, and he says that you will know them by their fruits. This is how you were to know them, he says. You will know them by their fruits. And there's so many men, so many leaders, so many pastors in the church. Many times we abuse our power in the church. So many times we think of ourselves so highly in the church that no one can ever give us any feedback. We get offended so many times in the church. One little thing offends us in the church. Many pastors are like that. I, I worked with a pastor before in which he got offended just because the young couple went to watch, um, watch um, of the Giants World Series, back when the Giants were in the World Series. So they went to, they went to watch, you know, they went to a house and they watched that, that last game. I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember exactly what game it was. This is many, many years ago. But this was the, I believe this was the last time the Giants actually won a World Series. Who here likes baseball? You guys probably know more about this than I do. I mean, I hate baseball. <laughs> it is the most boring of sports. To me, that is. It is the most boring of sport. But I, I showed up anyways because, because um, you know, everybody was there, you know. And, of course, what they forgot to do, they forgot to invite the pastor. Yeah, they forgot to invite the pastor, and the pastor was really, really upset over that. Started a big old storm over that. That's one of the things that we, that as, even as pastors, we need to kind of, you know, we just need to chill. You know, we just, a lot of times we just need to chill. 
Joe, and I take so much offense to little things inside the church. We must be able to, to ask for feedback. And many times those feedback may be negative, okay, because we're, we're, imper- we're imperfect. I, I, I know that many things that I do, is not, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that many things that I do you may not agree with, and that's fine. But we must be able to, and we must be willing to listen. That's how we all grow together. You see, the will of God is, does not lay with the pastor. The will of God lays with the church. The will of God lays with the church. And pastors who hold themselves above the church, they believe that they are everything, that, that, that they are the ones who proclaims everything, whatever they say is from God. That's not what the world scripture teaches us. The will of God lays within the church. The pastor is the one that comes and shares the vision for us and guide us towards that vision. But it is that we come, to, but in order for us to know the will of God, we must come together as a church to discuss it. We must come together as a church to discern what this will is for us. And we make this discernment through the study of scriptures. And one of the, one of the things that often hinders us is that when, when, when we think that we are the ones who are to discern the will of God, then we come together and we throw the scripture out and we start debating on things that we want. Then we become people like what, what Paul is talking about. We, are, we become people who are serving our own appetites. But that, that was never meant. That's not meant for the church. The church is meant for us to come together as one. And through the study of scriptures, through the study of scripture, we discern the will of God together as one church. The church was never meant for the pastors to stand up here and tell you, tell you everything to. And if you don't listen to me, then you know what? You're all going to hell, right? That's not the way it is. That's not the way the church was supposed to. That's not the way the church is to be run. We are one. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And we discern his will together. The pastor's job is to guide us so that we can discern the word will of God together as one church. And so that's what we must do. And so we must not, we must not be, go out there and serve our own desires. But we must guide each other. We must guide each other so that we can discern the will of God together. Many pastors, when they serve in a church, money is always, you know, a lot of times money is so important to them, right? Whichever church pays me more, I'll go to that church. We don't pay attention to the will of God. We don't pay, pay attention to where God needs us to be at. Sometimes God might need you to be in a big church that can pay you a lot of, a lot of money. Other times God might need you in a small church that doesn't pay you as much. But wherever God needs you, that's where you are to go. I'm accustomed to coming from a, I came from a church with over a thousand people every single week. You know, when we come together, we have three, four hundred people worshiping God. I'm accustomed to being in a church in which whenever we have a conference and we come together, there's 1,500 to 2,000 people. That's what I'm, I'm accustomed to. I come to the Christian Missionary, uh, I come to the United Methodist Church, and, you know, we have about 50, you know, 40, 50 people a week at worship. Whenever we have a conference, whenever we have a conference, we get together, and, you know, maybe we'll have 100 people. If, if we get 100 people, that's, that's a pretty decent size already. It's a big difference. Big difference. But it's not about how many people we have. It's about where God wants us to be. 
It's about where God wants us to be. And we must be willing to listen to that. We must be willing to listen to the will of God. Sometimes he might send you to this big church. Other times he will send you to this small church. Regardless of where he sends us, it is for his glory and his glory only, not for our own. And so these are the things that I want to share with us today is that we must remember that we are one family. Through Jesus Christ, there's no more Jewish Jews, there's no more Gentiles, there's no more Greeks, there's no more Romans. There's no more Mongs, there's no more Anglos. We're one. We're all one family. And the only, like I keep saying this over and over again, the only reason why we still have a Hmong service is because of the language barrier. Other than that, there's no reason for it. There's no reason for that. And I, I hope that one day that we will grow to the point in which we don't have that language barrier anymore and we can just have one service together. But oftentimes when we have one service, we have the Hmong sitting on one side and the Anglo sitting on the other side. And I, I want to encourage us, you know, let, let us sit among each other too. Let us sit among each other. I try to encourage our, our Hmong congregation too. Let, let us sit among each other as brothers and sisters. And we must do everything that we can. Just as the Apostle Paul was pleading with the, with the early church, I'm pleading with us today. Do everything that we can to stay as one, to stay united. Because that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has made us brothers and sisters. There's no reason for us to be divided anymore. So let's all come together to be one. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much, Father. We thank you so much that you've loved us and you've blessed us. And that through your son, Jesus Christ, you've made us one with each other. We pray that you will open up our hearts to allow us to be able to continue in this. Father, we, we pray that any ideas of division, any ideas of separation will be taken away from us, Father. That if anybody promotes this idea, Father, we, we pray that you forgive them, but we also pray that, that you help them grow in their own faith so that they know that they are one with us, Father. That they are one with us because of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that this, the message of division, that we will not take this in, that we continue in your words. We will continue to walk in your ways, Father. And so we lift everyone up to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.